Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. Growing in Grace podcast, take one. Hey, is it my turn to start? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Why not? I guess I've already started. Are we rolling? We're rolling. We've been rolling for the last five minutes. Where have you been? All right. Take two. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, thanks for joining us again for another week of the Growing in Grace podcast. Mike Kapler, my name, Joel Brzezinski, his name. That's me. And we're talking about another name here in the book of Hebrews that's above all names. Yes. His name is Jesus Christ. And it's been interesting taking this path through the book of Hebrews, Joel, because the writer starts out early in the book building up for what he's talking about now in these chapters that we're in. And even though we're not going verse by verse here necessarily, we do find places like here in Hebrews 9 where we almost have to because the information is just so valuable and so eye-opening, so revealing and comforting. It brings a peace to know that What Jesus did truly is a finished work. I mean, to quote Jesus on the cross there at the very end, it is finished. What is finished? I mean, you know, I've said this before. Jesus didn't commission the apostles to go and finish what he didn't finish. He Mm. sent them to let people know that the work is done, that the work is finished. That's really what the Great Commission was. Go and tell the world that I've done everything that is necessary. And so we're leaving off here in Hebrews chapter 9. We just got done talking about the importance of when a covenant is established, there must be the death of somebody who made that covenant, that testament, or that will. Same Greek word for testament, will, and covenant. Your translation may vary a little bit. But there's a covenant being established here, a new one, replacing again, it's not an addendum, it's not a revision, it's not Old Covenant Part 2. It's a new covenant. It replaced it replaced the old one, you see, because God said in Hebrews 8 that this new one would not be like the old one. And one way in which that it, there were many ways, but in one way that it would not be like the old one, when you came out of Egypt, your fathers came out of Egypt, and there was this new law thing established, a new covenant established with the law through Moses. This covenant would not be like that. One way it wouldn't be is because under the old Sins were constantly being remembered, and sacrifices were constantly needed, and yet they still couldn't take away the sins. They could only bring an atonement. They could only bring a covering of those sins. It's like throwing a rug over a stain on the floor. Uh, You got a stain in the carpet, you throw a rug over it, and all of a sudden it kind of looks like it's not there anymore. But you know deep down it is, and you're going to have to do something to clean that stain. Well, Jesus did that. He actually brought forgiveness, and God remembers sins no more under this new covenant. That's a big difference here. So this covenant, verse 17 of chapter 9, it's only valid when men are dead. It's not in force when the one who made it lives. And like the first covenant, this new one was not inaugurated without blood. And that's an important thing to understand because, and I think Joel got into this a little bit last week, for when every commandment had been spoken, verse 19 of Hebrews 9, for when every commandment had been spoken by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and the goats with water and scarlet, wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. But that had to be 
uh, a fun church to go to. How, how'd you like to be in the front <laughs> row on that one, Joel, and, and get sprinkled with animal blood? <laughs> yes. Yes. Everybody come this Sunday. <laughs> over here. Come over as, here, please. Come as you uh, are. You're not going to leave as you are, though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he would say, this is the blood of the covenant. This is Old Testament stuff here now. This is the blood of the covenant which God commanded you. And in the same way, he sprinkled both the tabernacle and, again, the, the fake tabernacle, the shadow tabernacle, the copy, not the true tabernacle that Jesus went into, but he sprinkled both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry with the blood. So there was these ceremonies, there was blood, there was washings, there was all of these things. And according to the law, verse 22, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or there is no forgiveness. And that's where we left off last week. Therefore, verse 23, therefore, I said all that to say this. That's what therefore means in the Greek. <laughs> Mike Kapler version. <laughs> right. uh, it was necessary for the copies of the things in the heavens to be cleansed with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, which was a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Or uh, the ESV says, to appear now before God on our behalf, in verse 24. Uh, nor was it that he would offer himself as the high priest enters the holy place year by year with blood that is not his own. You see, the, the old priest had to use not his blood. He had to use the blood of the animal, right? Jesus didn't do that. This is so unique. This is so different. Otherwise, he would have need to suffer often since the foundation of the world. If he hadn't used his own blood, he would have had to continue with more sacrifices, not just from that point forward, but since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. But now, once for all time, he appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. I read two different versions there, Joel, and I, I like this modern translation. I don't use it much. It's the NLT. I, I like it sometimes. I like it in this passage, but I don't use it much. But I want to say I want to read this again because it, if that had been necessary, if if Jesus had not used his own blood, Christ would have had to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age. To what? To not just cover sin, not just to provide an atonement, but to remove sin by his own death as a sacrifice. And Joel, I just want to mention, the reason Jesus would have had to keep coming back and offering more sacrifices since the foundation of the world, there's a group of people we sometimes forget about. It's everybody who died before Jesus, before the cross. <laughs> mm -hmm. What about all those people? That's what the reference here is, is, that Jesus would have had to go back, and he would have had to keep offering more sacrifices, not only since the cross took place, but even for the people before the cross. Right. Yeah, it would have been many, 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 many sacrifices. And I didn't say nearly enough many's there. It would have had to be over and over and over and over and over again, right? But he appeared once. To put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, that's what I'm reading here in the New King James. And I just, I just looked that up. The word put away, it means an abolition, disannulling. And then I looked that up. Disannul means the same as annul. <laughs> oh, that's one of these weird English words. 
disannul and annul mean the same thing. You would think that disannul is the opposite of annul, but so he has abolished, put away. It also means rejected, a cancellation, or to put away. The point is, is that through the blood of Jesus, he has put away, taken away. Our sins are gone. They're not even in existence anymore. He's put them away by the sacrifice of himself. In verse 27, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. He was offered once, one time, to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, and I love this, it really highlights all of this. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Why apart from sin? Because he's dealt with it. (laughs) This Mm -hmm. sacrifice, he has dealt with sin. There's no more dealing with sin. The blood of Jesus. Can we get this? Can we understand this in the church today? Can we understand this? That the blood of Jesus, he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He took care of it. It's been taken away. He's going to appear another time apart from sin because it's been dealt with. That's just some really important stuff here. We, we've said all throughout here, like you were saying, there are all kinds of points to be brought out here. This book is so rich. And some people tell me the book of Hebrews is, well, it was written to the Hebrews, so it's for them. It's not for us, us Gentiles. But you can see all of these things that Christ did was for us too, for the Gentiles too. It wasn't, he didn't do this only for the Jewish people, only for Israel, but he did this for everybody. Christ's sacrifice was for everybody, and whoever receives him receives everything that he did for us. So all of this stuff, even though it was written by a Hebrew to Hebrew people, we can glean so much rich information from this that helps us to understand what God did on our behalf, how much God loves us to do all this stuff for us. And again, all of the things that Jesus did for us, taking away our sin, not just covering it, and using his own blood to give us eternal salvation. Yeah, and I think the question has to be asked. I guess we we kind of addressed it here, but when did this happen? (laughs) I mean, it's an obvious question, and it really has an obvious answer. It happened at the time that the covenant was established after the death of the testator, right? Uh, That's when the covenant was established. That's when sin was taken away. That's when forgiveness was declared. Joel, I I know we're going to get more into this in, in Hebrews 10, But I just want to make this point. Verse 28 in in the NLT says this, and this is kind of plain English here, but Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins Mm. of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. So this occurred then. In other words, what I'm saying here is forgiveness was declared. You know, sometimes we think we were forgiven, that God extended an act of forgiveness toward us when we prayed some sort of sinner's prayer uh, and chose to believe on Jesus. I, I believe it's a little bit turned inside out that way. I think the reason we chose to believe, whether we even realized it or not, or not is that forgiveness has been declared. Forgiveness has been extended. And we can believe that and when we believe that, we receive salvation. We, re- we, we, mm-hmm. we receive life, life in Christ. Don't confuse forgiveness 
with salvation. I think they're two separate things. And, and forgiveness does you no good if you're, if you're dead, all right? The last verse in, in the book of John, the gospel, he said this, these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In order for us to experience life, Jesus first had to get rid of the sin problem, and he did that, as you said, Joel. Right. Yep. The blood of Jesus was sufficient (laughs) in dealing with all of the sins of mankind. So anytime a person is struggling with, you know, because there are a lot of verses that that scare people. We've talked about that. But if you read them in context, they're not so scary. And then if you read this book of Hebrews and find out what Jesus did for us, again, not just covering our sins, but taking them away, it's so wonderful you find out how wonderful it is that we have it in christ and just as so we'll we'll end up with a chapter nine here we'll get into um, hebrews 10 next week something that scares people sometimes it says to those who eagerly wait for him he will appear a second time so does that mean and this, this worries some people i know do i have to be eagerly awaiting him what if i'm you know not always eagerly awaiting him it's that's not the point He's trying to encourage people that, guess what? Christ is going to appear a second time for salvation apart from sin. He's not trying to set people up with some legalistic, you have to be eagerly waiting for him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So let's end with that, and we'll get into Hebrews 10 next week, right here on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski, heard online through various Internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting growingingrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.